Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Willoughby, a licensed psychotherapist who's had experiences with celestial metaphysical beings, and today we're going to learn about it. Willow, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. Thank you so much for letting me be here today. I'm really excited to share my stories. Before we learn about your experiences, did you become a licensed psychotherapist before or after? Um, I became a licensed psychotherapist after some of them and before some of them. Oh, okay. Let's start with your earliest or whatever you think is most pivotal for you. Okay, thank you. Um, I think I want to start with, it's actually not the earliest, but it's the one that made me decide to go public, if you will, with my experiences and um, in the hopes of helping other people, um, both people who have had these experiences uh, to feel, you know, like they're not crazy. (laughs) And um, also because it gave a message. So um, this is the experience with the celestial beings. And um, hopefully it's not too noisy where I am. (laughs) But... um, So what happened was one night I went to bed and um, I woke up in the middle of the night, um, went to the bathroom and saw the clock. It was around midnight. Then I went and I think it must have taken me about a half an hour to fall back asleep. And then all of a sudden I was awake but in a state of sleep paralysis Um, this is something that had never happened to me before and has never happened to me since Um, i my eyes were open i could see the room around me it was dark and felt safe and cozy Um, but i could not move my body at all and um, my partner was even lying in bed next to me through this whole thing and had no idea Um, so I just was like, okay, this is happening. This is unusual. And, um, it felt very pleasant. I was very sleepy and I kept trying to fall back asleep, but every time I did something would make me wake up back into that state of sleep paralysis. And eventually I became aware that I was not only lying in my bed, but I was also in another place. And I could feel both places at the same time. In the other place, it was kind of like being in the dark night sky, um, but without stars, just sort of a a black void, except that you could see everything that was there because the things there let off their own light. Um, 
And I was one of those things. So I could look down and see myself, see my hands, um, see my body. And I became aware that there were two uh, celestial beings standing next to me. And actually, they were angelic. I believe that they were angels, that they are angels because they exist. And um, I had had interactions with them in meditations in the past, but I never knew if it was just me making it up or not. So this time it was very definitely me not making anything up. It was as clear as day. It was powerful and strong. And in the visions I had had in like dreams or meditations of them before, they'd always been normal sized. But this time they were each 300 feet tall. Um, there was a male and a female. And I think that they are my guides, actually. And um, they were both wearing sort of long, loose, flowing robes in earth tones. And the man had like a little, gentle little beard, kind of like yours, you know, maybe a little bigger. Um, and, and, and hoods. So these were cloaked robes, but not hanging over their heads. You could see their faces perfectly. Um, and... I kind of noticed them and I was like, hello, you know, wow. And they gave me a similar kind of like, wow, hi. And it was just this wonderful moment of recognition. And then they indicated telepathically that I should look in front of me. So I looked in front of me and I saw a shape, a blob, um, a spherical thing. Uh, no telling what size it was. I had the immediate impression that it was as big as everything or as small as everything. Um, it was like a giant sphere made of spheres. So it had many different spheres in it and they all were sort of lobbed onto each other to make a big sphere. Um, later on in researching about this, I learned a lot of things about these types of forms. And the thing that comes closest to what it looked like, if anyone wants to look that up, is like a microscopic image of the eye of a fly or soap bubbles that have come together which um, makes it sort of means that there is a hexagonal um, element to it. Uh, I'm hoping also that some scientists will find some interest in this. So, and I'll explain more as I go along. So then the beings, they indicated to me to look closer. So I didn't move my body. I just zoomed in my vision. And what I saw was that each sphere on this sphere made of spheres was fountaining. It had a liquid fountaining motion coming up out of it. Um, so that means it would have gone up a central channel and then at the top come apart in 360 degrees and come all the way down to the bottom and then going back up again 
360 degrees in very smooth motion. The whole thing was the color of like a, a light latte coffee, which I thought was very interesting because I was like, I'm having, I was reflecting in the experience. I'm having this amazing medical physical experience right now. I can't believe this is happening. And and it's it's latte coffee. It's not like radiating light. It's purely matte in color. So I was like, this is strange. Um, so then they indicated that I should zoom in my vision a little further. So I did. And what I saw was, and this actually, I just remembered, do you know the introduction to your show where you have that music mm -hmm. and it's like going into a vortex? Yes. It looked a lot like that. So I zoomed in to the place, I guess, at the bottom of the sphere where everything curves around and starts to go into the vortex. And I discovered that it was not liquid that I was seeing, um, but many, many fine little strands. And the strands were what were doing this. So then they said, look closer. So I zoomed in a little farther and I saw that each strand was not a solid line, but was made up of sequences of code. Um, and I saw a binary code. But what I have to say here is that if I had been, say, a mathematician or a scientist and I knew what Fibonacci code was, or if I knew what a DNA code looked like, or say I was someone who understood Morse code, even. It could have been any one of those codes. I understood that they showed it to me as binary code because I would immediately recognize what that is and that the main purpose of knowing it was simply to know that it's code. So I was like, okay. So they said, watch. You know, they let me know, observe this. So I observed it and I thought about it and I realized that the code was, you know, having sequences and that there were sort of like places with gaps, you know, like starts and stops. And um, so I stayed that way for a really long time, just observing it. And I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I want to finish telling the story of the experience before I get into them. So... After a long while, and I have to say the entire experience was five or six hours long where I was in this sleep paralysis. And I know this because at the end, I got up again to go to the bathroom and saw the clock again, and it was around 6 a.m. So I kept wanting to fall back asleep. And every time I sort of drifted back into sleep because I was very tired and I was like, okay, I saw it. Thank you. I'm sleeping now. They'd be like, mm, mm, mm. that was the energy. And they would say, no, look. And they would zoom me right back into the moment of being there with them and looking at this object. So finally I said, okay, okay, what is it? Oh, you know, I was so sleepy. I wasn't thinking of all the right questions right away. So I said, what is it? And they said to me, this is all creation. This is all that is, just like that. And I was like, wow, gosh, I wish I could understand this more. That's amazing, you know? Um, 
And so again, I kept just looking at it, trying to figure it out, um, having sort of impressions come to me that, um, well, I can't totally remember at the moment. Maybe it'll come up later when I talk about the questions. But after a while, again, they um, indicated to me with a very sort of loving, gentle, pleased energy. Um, and I'm like, well, why don't you ask it a question? You know, and I was, what, what would I ask it? And they said, um, what is your heart's desire? And what they meant was, you can ask it for anything you want. So immediately I understood more, okay, code. Code can be written. So we can ask all creation and all that is for our heart's desire. And in asking through our hearts for our heart's desire, whatever it may be, we are writing code into creation. And, you know, this goes along with what many, many philosophers and metaphysical people have said, spiritual people have said that our word is creation. Even in the Bible, in the beginning, there was the word. So our words create, they carry sound, they carry vibration. Sound is just light slowed down. Um, according to physics. Uh, so basically, I guess I'm just saying it's all one. And through our words, we are sending out messages into all that is. And those messages create. Our thoughts are like that too, which is one thing I love about being a psychotherapist. <laughs> Try to help people with their thoughts and their emotions and their words, their self-talk. So to get back to what happened next, um, the beings had just said, whatever your heart desires, you know? And because I was very tired and also because I was out of my body at the same time as being in it, you know? but the part of me that was out of it wasn't able to think of anything to ask creation for. Um, and so I molded over and it felt like it must have been for about an hour or, or two, just mulling it over, trying to figure out what does my heart desire? But where I was, everything just felt timeless and there were no desires. So what happened then was I just woke up after a while and I just kept mulling on it and thinking about it and started to research and talk to people and um, spiritual people who might know things about this. And uh, so one person, I never knew about something called the toroidal field, the Taurus shape. Um, and I have to actually say this, this whole thing happened on this experience happened on Friday, the 13th, 2019 on a full moon. Um, 
so anyway, I spoke to him, a friend, the next day and said, this is what the shape was like. And I said, when I do this next to my heart, I feel my heart open. Maybe that's how I should ask creation for for something, you know, open my heart. And he said, well, it looks like you're making a toroidal field motion. And so then I started researching about that. And I did remember that I'd learned something about the Heart Math Institute and their work um, about uh, researching about the energy fields that the human body makes. So I went back and I watched that again. And indeed, our hearts make that same sort of donut shape as the spheres, only the sphere was whole. I mean, it was so infinitesimally small. There was no like big donut hole, you know, um, it's hard to describe, but it's a complete wholeness rather than lines. So anyway, I, I encourage people to look up the Heart Math Institute and watch their videos because our heart makes an energy field that is a toroidal sphere and it goes out, you know, maybe three feet around our body. And then our entire body makes another uh, sphere that goes, can go up to like 30 feet around us depending on how contracted we are or how much we are in a state of what they call coherence which is sort of like mind body spiritual alignment and flow not contracted and they actually used instruments to measure this all scientifically so i find that very exciting um so then a funny little incidental part to finish off that story was, um, yeah, I did pray. I, I did start praying and, you know, for, for world peace and, and, and goodness for everyone and everyone to be satisfied and, you know, have their needs met and all that good stuff. But I also threw in one little prayer for myself that was just personal and maybe selfish. I don't know. I really wanted an electric car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought, okay, my beings, if you said I could, you said I could ask for anything I want, because I remember I, I did ask them, I said, anything, like, anything. So I was like, okay, anything. So I thought, okay, anything. And I made a prayer. I said, okay, I really would like to be in a vehicle that's better for our planet but I don't have money to get one is, you know, I'm making my heart's question be, can the state please provide some funding for people to get electric vehicles um, and, and, and charging stations and things like that. So the next morning after making that prayer, and I think I actually made that prayer the night after the experience, or it might've been that very morning. I can't remember. All I know is that the next morning after making that prayer, I was driving and the radio was on. And all of a sudden I heard, and today the governor has decided that, you know, has created a fund for Vermonters to get electric vehicles. 
Um, and it, you know, it took me another two years, but I finally did take advantage of that fund. And I finally got one last summer and it, it was, it was awesome. Wow. It was, yeah. It didn't pay for the whole thing, but you know, enough for a down payment. So just hearing that on the radio right afterwards, I was like, oh my God, this is very real <laughs> or just coincidence. Well, thank you for sharing that experience with us. When I first start hearing code, I start thinking the matrix. What are your thoughts on that? I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, normally when I started telling people about this experience right after it happened, I would always say zeros and ones, but not like the matrix. I would always tell people that, and I forgot to say that this time. Um, and yet, as I've had more time to think about it over the past couple years, I've begun to think that maybe there is a kind of a matrix, not like in the movie, you know, with like evil robots and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at least I hope not. <laughs> but to meet with the celestial beings and to be standing outside of all creation has made me think because they said that is all creation. And yet we were standing outside of it. So how many creations are there? I begin to wonder, and who created them? And since there's code and we're able to write code through what we, how we live our lives, basically, um, there is a very, definitely a very matrix-like quality about all that is. There's yeah. two butterflies that just started flying around me while I said that. I've had one guest um, tell me, and I can't remember if she was an NDE or what, but during some kind of experience, she woke up like in a pod, like the Matrix, oh. like outside of this, and then understood everything and, and wanted to come back. What also makes me think about is I've had at least a couple guests talk about that we can create our own reality and create, you know, everything. So that also kind of puts that to mind when you say about we can write our own code yeah i would rather live here than in a pod yeah. well i think she was explaining it was like a machine that she just that's how she could tap into this reality she was like on another planet or something and, the, and to be able to experience this reality she got in like a pod and then that would put her here yeah and you know i mean as i've been watching your show and other shows and, and learning and reading more about these things. I have seen um, other uh, sort of templates, ideas about um, this being a matrix reality. Um, some of them are uh, more scary than others. Some of them are more benevolent than others, but there are some ideas out of there and they all sort of do inspire the mind I don't know his name but there is some physicist out there that has said that we could be living in a reality like the matrix and you can't disprove it I think that was Stephen Hawking I forgot one important piece of the story alright one final piece of the story that I forgot to mention 
is the reason why I'm here today. Mm. And the reason why I've started um, talking about this in various platforms is that um, the celestial beings at the very end of the dream, um, dream, sleep paralysis, waking vision, what have you, they indicated to me um, very, with, with a lot of love that if I wanted to, I could tell people about this. So I believe that they want other people to know. They, and, and I know that this message has been given, you know, that we create our own reality. Um, it's been given over and over and over. Um, but this time it's like from your heart. We create it from our heart's desire. Um, and so that's just another shade of, of it. Many people have said that too, I imagine. But the more people hear it, the better. So we can learn to come and live from the heart rather than the head. After your experience, did you ever go through a period of self-doubt? Like, you know, was this real? Was it just sleep paralysis? Was it a dream? And and if so, how did you, you know, come to your conclusion that it's real? That's a, a wonderful question. And I would like to say that in the previous experience I had in my 20s, which was a massive Kundalini awakening, I went through a lot of self-doubt after that for decades about it. But did I ever doubt that it was real? No. And did I ever doubt that this was real? Absolutely not. And the reason is um, because, I guess because they've been so rare in my life, these experiences that I feel like I've lived the rest of my life in a sort of grounded-ish way, you know? And also because they, they were real. They were just real. You, there was no, no denying it. It was unlike anything else that ever happened, and it was much like reality. I was going to ask that. Is it, you know, was it like a dream state, or was it as real as we are talking to each other right now? It was as real as we are talking to each other right now, except that it was metaphysical. So I was aware of being in two places at once. So I guess I was bilocated, you know, mm -hmm. or in my astral body, but still aware of my physical body. But out there in that void outside of all creation with the celestial beings, um, I was completely aware of being completely real and present. And it lasted five or six hours. So that, to me, was not like a normal dream. Did you feel like you were there for five or six hours? Or were you in a place of timelessness yes. and it went by quickly? Because I was in my body at the same time and in the sleep paralysis and my body kept trying to drag me back down with its tiredness, which that happened over and over during the whole experience. So... Um, which, which they would just wake me up again every time saying, oh, pay attention, you know. So um, I was aware of time because of that. Hmm. I was aware that this was going on for a very long time. And I think that's why I also was getting maybe a little cheeky with them about the experience. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, oh, come on. I just want to go back to sleep, that mm -hmm. kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. I assume there's a medical condition of sleep paralysis where people like experience things. What I can remember, maybe that's more like nightmares. 
But I feel like that kind of medical definition is different from your version of sleep paralysis. Can you expand on that? You know, that's one thing I haven't studied is sleep paralysis and what it usually technically is. I have heard of people having it in terms of uh, night terrors and nightmare type experiences. But you're right, this was completely different. So I only say that because my body was paralyzed and I couldn't move it. All right. Well, you mentioned that you had a Kundalini experience in your 20s. Can we go there next? Yeah. Thank you. I'm just so delighted to be able to share these with people. And, you know, I want to say I have spoken to a lot of people who have had a lot of metaphysical experiences since then and UFO experiences. And many of them have had way more than I ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't feel like I am special. We're all special. But I don't feel like I'm like the the biggest one, you know, but um, this happened. Here's something that happened to me um, when I was 26. Uh, It happened in February 1996. Um, And this was a dream, but it was unlike any dream I've ever had. And it had profound, a profound impact on my waking life. Uh, for about 20 days afterwards, Um, which is something that never happened to me before or since. So I went to sleep that night, and um, at some point, I think the dream happened kind of in the early morning, uh, because when it was over, it was early morning, which I've heard is a good time for prophetic dreams. People have said that, um, but this wasn't really a prophetic dream. Anyway, um, I was walking along the beach at night, and it was a dark night, I remember, no moon. It's very dark. The only thing you could really see was the white line of the breakers, of the waves as they broke. Um, that was on my left-hand side. And on my right-hand side, there was a man who I, I didn't see his face. He just had this long, dark hair and he was walking with me. And on also on the right-hand side, there were little houses sort of lining the beach. And some of them had lights on, some didn't. And we walked and I kept saying, no, that's not the one pointing at the houses and that's not the one, that's not the one, that's not the one. So finally we got to the end of the beach where, um, you know, they have breakwaters uh, of big piles of rocks that go out into the ocean. And there was one little house there at the end of the beach. And it had this golden orange saffron color glowing from its windows. And um, I said, that's the one. So we walked up the beach uh, to the house, up the stairs. We opened the door and there was like a a porch, screened in porch. And there were shoes everywhere, pairs of shoes everywhere. And the cloths that were in the windows had little symbols on them, like ohm symbols and things like that. So they were Indian prayer cloths, actually. Um, Then we knocked on the inner door. 
and someone came and opened the door with graciously uh, some wearing sort of ceremonial uh, Indian style clothes, let us go inside and it was a room, um, not a giant room, but an open spaced room full of people all sitting cross-legged on the floor, all wearing sort of loose cotton clothing, you know, like, like sort of Indian type clothes. Um, but there were people of all different ethnicities and nationalities, maybe two of those. Um, and they were all chanting. Um, and it was a beautiful sound, and you could see light coming off of them as they were chanting, um, chanting mantras that almost like singing, like a very rich sound uh, that you could feel the vibrations of in your body. And at the far end of the room, in front of the crowd, there was a platform about a foot off the ground, and sitting in the center of it was a person. And I didn't know what to call that person at the time, um, but the word Lama came into my mind. Um, and later on, I found out, you know, like the Dalai Lama, only this was not the Dalai Lama, um, but I... Lama means monk uh, among Tibetan Buddhists. And he was very powerful, um, very, very, very powerful. And he was an older man. And um, he was chanting too, the way that Tibetans do in that very deep, sonorous voice. And light waves were coming as the sound that he was making was creating light waves that were going over around the room and joining with everyone else's and sort of containing it all, like in a bubble of light. And, um, yeah, and that was not just coming from his voice, but from his whole being. So they, the people who let us in led me and the person I came in with up to the platform and they placed us each one on either side of the llama, but not facing the crowd, facing the llama. So I still didn't see that other person um, because the llama was between us. Um, so I just sat there cross-legged and the chanting continued and it got stronger and stronger. Um, and the color waves going around the room were intense. And then I became aware that the llama had three faces, maybe one in the back, maybe even four, but one in front and one on each side. But these were like auric faces, you know, they looked like him, but it was like a, his spirit. And I felt his energy turn and get directed towards the person I came in with. And I thought, oh, something's going on there. And then after a little while, his energy turned and directed towards me. And just still chanting. And what happened was a beam of light, red colored light came out from him and went through me at the base of my spine. And then the lights kept raying up and it turned orange in my stomach area. And then it turned golden 
in my solar plexus area. And then the beam continued up. And I felt, I'll get to what happened next as the beams continued up. But I, I did know what chakras were. So I realized that he was sending chakra colored light through my chakras and attuning them. And what I felt as the beams permeated my body was like every cell in my body was rearranged, made new, literally just made new. And the feeling was of complete bliss. It felt so, so good. Um, and then as the light came up to my heart, I, it, the feeling was so overpowering that I began to lose consciousness within a dream. And I began to sort of fall backwards, sitting cross-legged. And there were people behind me who put their arms out to help me go down. And I know that the lights continued up and became white. And when I was down, I was in another place. I was floating in a void that was pure white, pure white light. Later on, I've learned there's a thing called the diamond light in Tibetan Buddhism, which is one of the goals of practice. And I, I think that the, the Lama, who I have also learned later is a Tulku, or Rinpoche is another name for a high Tibetan Lama. I, he put me into the diamond light. And I floated there. It was sort of like misty, you know? And it went on forever. And it was bliss. It was pure, pure, pure bliss. So I floated in that bliss for what felt like a long time. And I was not aware that I was floating in the bliss. I was not aware of myself. I was in a state of non-being. And I know that because at one point I became aware. I became aware that I was there and it was like a small point of being. And then I became aware of my whole body. And then I was back in the room that I had been in, in the dream. And I was sitting up and they were cleaning up the room. They were sweeping up flower petals and rice from the floor, which I later learned is uh, something that they use in Tibetan Buddhist rituals at a certain, like the apex of the ritual, they throw them into the air, kind of in celebration. There were only a couple people left in the room and they were cleaning up and um, I got up and they came over to me like, oh, she's conscious, you know? And I said, where's the llama? Um, and they're like, oh, or, no, I said, what happened? And they're like, oh, you had the shuchabrabu. <laughs> I don't know what the word was, but I asked someone about it. And they said, it sounds like it might have been shakiput, which actually means um, a, a transmission of energy in, in, a, in the Hindu tradition. So I got up, I left, and then it was broad daylight in the dream. I came back in 
like another day, I'm coming back to visit. I knock on the door. Um, I go in, there's a woman alone arranging flowers in front of a picture of the llama. And I say, I go up to her and I say, where's the llama? I wanted to find him. And she said, oh, don't you know, he is no longer with us. And I knew that she meant he was not in a body anymore, not in a physical form. So then I woke up to real life whatever's real i woke up to this waking world and i was full of the most enormous beautiful energy and that lasted for about 20 days and during that time i didn't need to eat i had no desire for food the thought or the look or the smell of food made me feel a little bit nauseous so i stayed away from it i stayed away from the kitchens i was in a college dormitory studying to be a waldorf teacher at the time so it was a special Waldorf teacher training school. And uh, yeah, I was full of energy. I was dancing around. I drank a lot of water, but I didn't eat for 20 days. No need for it, no desire for it. And then someone said, you really should eat. We're worried about you. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. If it makes you feel better, I will eat. And I began eating and slowly just got back into normal life. But um, when I graduated, I took a job in India so I could be closer to Nepal, where I knew there were Buddhists, Tibetan Buddhists. And then I found out I had a friend of the family there. I went and lived with them. And I wound up uh, marrying a local person. And I lived in Nepal for 11 years, just learning about Buddhism, um, more from a bhakti, which means devotional perspective. Um, rather than a scholarly perspective although i you know did a little bit of scholarly stuff just to understand so, but i i came back into regular normal life and i didn't tell people only the people who were closest to me because i was afraid that people would think that i was crazy and i was sad like you asked before was there a point uh, like a sort of a depression, a disappointment. Yeah, I was sad because I couldn't find the llama and I couldn't find my purpose. And I kept thinking, why did I have this amazing experience if not for something like amazing to happen in my life? And I realized over time that that was just my ego. I was just lucky and blessed to have been introduced to the Dharma, to learn a new way of life, and to learn how to work through all my own personal, emotional, um, and, and traumas and things like that. So, that's what it is. Do you feel you experienced this by astral traveling, or you were having a past life kind of re-experience? I feel like it's very likely that I have uh, lived in Tibet in a past life, that this this Lama has been my teacher. Um, I I don't know if I was astral traveling. I only know the story that I told and how it affected me. Unlike the celestial beings, when I, I was definitely in my astral body, like I could feel that I was in two places. But um, <laughs> I, just incidentally, a few more 
dreams that the Rinpoche, that the Lama visited me and a few other dreams after that. And he brought some of his monk friends, his students, and they taught me how to fly in the Tibetan monk tradition of flying, which there actually really is. In, and I, I had never flown in a dream in my life before. So they taught me how to do that. And then I, all of a sudden I became able to fly in dreams. But in real life, there is this thing, if you look it up, you can learn about it, that, that there's a tradition or stories, or they say it's real, of Tibetan monks who fly through the valleys of Tibet as their way of traveling. And they do it by taking bounds, big leaping bounds. And every time they leap, they are able to go farther and sort of turn their bodies like into air or light. I, that's my guess, to make them sort of be lifted up by the wind. And eventually they can leap over entire valleys at a time. I've seen something or heard something about Tibetan monks, and they, it looks like they're levitating. And they're sitting in like a cross-legged position, seating up, and they end up levitating. Is that the same thing? I bet it's related. I bet. I've heard of that too. You know, after 20 days had passed and you started eating again, and it seemed like the effects of the dream wore off. Do you still feel changed by this dream? And if so, in what way? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, like many of us, I had trauma growing up. And I think that the dream gave me a lot of hope. And it also gave me, you could call it faith or intimate knowledge that there is more to our reality than it seems. I believed in past lives without questioning it anymore. Um, and to this whole other metaphysical side of reality and, and you know, beginning to know that we can create our reality. I know that I definitely got frustrated in the couple decades that passed in trying to figure out how to do that. But um, still on the path, and since having this experience with the celestial beings, feeling even more like coming into a new chapter of um, understanding that I create my own reality, we create our own realities, doing it, doing the work. How have these experiences affected your practice as a licensed psychotherapist, and do you treat people who have had you know, metaphysical events in their life? Well, I think that, you know, having had the first experience during those years, I was actually very much focused on music um, and uh, singing. And, but I always had it a sort of seed in me that one day I would like to be a psychotherapist. So I went back and I actually started doing the work in 2015, I went back to school for it um it's affected my practice in that uh well i've written you know sort of on psychology today as uh, where people find me under my name willow broadus and um which is funny because broad us i believe in a broad us mm. names are amazing mm -hmm. but um 
I've sort of written my blurb there to appeal to people who are spiritual. And um, so they find me. And uh, there are a lot of ethical guidelines to being a psychotherapist. So I definitely do not impose my own beliefs or even experiences on people. Um, because most of that, well, you know, maybe people who are watching this and find me, they will already know my story. So then that can become a part of the conversation if it's helpful to them. But I wouldn't bring that up in a session with anyone, but I'm very open to them bringing things up and I let them know in various ways that they be judged, you know? Hmm. And it gives me a lot of hope for people as well. And I think that's, that's the biggest part because knowing that there, we create our own reality and that there's a whole other side to existence, for instance, near-death experiences teach us this. There's a whole other side to existence. And, and once, you know, we learn whatever it is that is our mission here to learn in this body, in this life, we get to go back to that state where there is no pain, there's bliss. And then uh, we get to do it all over again and learn new things. Um, or maybe we just sort of elevate ourselves out of it and go on to other adventures in the universe. So since you've had these experiences, I think it would make you more open to people who come in as your clients and you're more accepting of people who've had Kundalini experiences, out-of-body experiences, UFO experience, etc. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it's such a blessing to be a person who has these experiences and they're available to all of us if we simply start meditating, get ourselves uh, into a more flow state. Um, and, you know, over time, these things will happen. Uh, now, then again, there's also the, the whole thing of magical thinking. So someone who's sort of creating these experiences in their mind or over living into them can not sort of be in their bodies and grounded in this earth. So that's something to work with too when we're going through these experiences. Um, but I did want to mention uh, that I have a great interest in uh, all of the things you mentioned, near death, out of body, metaphysical, and including um, UFO experiences as well. A funny fact is that my grandfather worked for Project Blue Book. Um, which is, uh, you know, that, that was the Air Force's project for investigating UFOs. Um, he was there for four years in the 60s. Wow. And then he went on to do other things like NORAD, MITRE Corporation. Like, he didn't talk about it. Um, but I did sit with him once after he retired and saw some of his files uh, that he had held on to and the different types of experiences and how they were explained away by this or that phenomenon, which is good because if you can explain it by a natural phenomenon or something like that, then you know it wasn't a UFO, but there were some that they could never explain. Mm. And those were the experiences that I had as a little girl 
lying on my back looking at the stars, 1977 Vermont, I was seven years old. I saw bright lights just zigzagging around each other at right angles out at star distance, you know? And those were written about in a few places in the files and they could never explain those. So I, I said, what about this? He said, that was a UFO. Do you still have those files? They got lost in my move from Nepal back to the United States. Oh, that's too bad. But, that, that could be really valuable to the UFO community. I know. I know. Well, I can ask my cousins and see if anybody got a hold of if there were any more of them uh, after he passed. But um, I have the paperweight that he gave me that they gave him um, after he when he retired from Project Blue Book. <laughs> oh, so awesome. David Moody, David Moody, 1966 UFO section. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. A little marble paperweight with a pen sticking out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had a few other small experiences. I'm not a person who's seen many, many, but I've seen some. And I did finally have a contact experience um, this sometime this past year. I can't even remember. A few months ago where I, uh, I asked, um, I just meditated on it. I asked and I got really real. I stopped saying, Oh, I, I want to meet you in person. But I just opened my heart and I said, okay, let it be in a dream then because I am scared to meet in person. And that night I had a dream where I stood up and I found a portal in the forest, which was actually just cut out of the stone of a cliff and it was only six inches deep and it was just stone cliff but it looked like a door so i stood up in it and instead of facing the stone i turned around and i faced outwards and i was in another world when i did that and i saw a beautiful about five feet tall blue being walking down a path um uh, with with beautiful big eyes uh and wearing some sort of little suit, you know, unisuit like they seem to do. And I saw him and he saw me and we're like, (gasps) at the same time. And then we just sort of echoed each other telepathically as we walked closer and closer together. And the whole time I did what I'd seen someone else do when I was researching about it on a a video, just open my heart and say, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So there was no fear, just love and gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We came right up to each other and we clasped hands, like shaking hands. And at the moment that we touched, I was in a black void. And I heard the word say, intelligence is here. And then I woke up. Hmm. But uh, I heard a few days later from someone in my community said, you know, I was speaking to this other person in the community who I'm not allowed to know who it is because they're a very conservative person. Um, and that this person said that lights landed outside her house Tuesday night, which was the same night that, cause I just told her about my experience. It was Tuesday night lights landed outside her house. She saw the lights and then all of a sudden she was in this, this, no, she told this to me before I told her. That's right. It was before I told her because the black void thing. So she, she, and then all of a sudden this person said she was in a black void and she felt very scared. Like she was in a closet. 
and then it was over. She felt she was back asleep and she woke up, but that person said it happened uh, consciously awake to that, to the other person, not in a dream. Hmm. So this was in the same night and I know where that person lives. It's less than a mile as the crow flies from where my house is. All right. I'm running out of time. So I want to promote you and help you. Do you have a website that people can find your practice? Yes. If anybody is interested, they can look me up on um, psychology today. Uh, My name is Willow, like the Willow tree, W-I-L-L-O-W. And my last name is Broadus. B is in boy, R-O-A-D-D-U-S. And um, that would be for Vermont. Um, so if you just type in my name, though, it actually, the therapist finder finds people all over the country. I only can accept insurance in Vermont. Um, but if somebody is very interested, they should just reach out to me and we can see what we can work out. Um, I uh, also can be found through my email, which is telepath108, T-E-L-E-P-A-T-H-108 at gmail.com. And on Facebook, uh, you could ask to join my Facebook group, which I made to help people process their experiences and celebrate and enjoy and have fun. And it's called Mystical Visionaries. So just look in the group finder for Mystical Visionaries. All right, great. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Follow your heart. Listen to your heart. Get out of your head. Get into your heart. And listen to your gut feelings, too. And then use it all in balance. The head and the heart and the gut feelings. And know that there is hope. And there is way more to this existence than just the mundane stuff. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what the conditions are of your life, you can find hope and you can find tranquility and love and peace just by going within and taking that time, maybe out in nature, to sit and connect with your true self your spirit and all of our spirits are actually one we're just having different physical experiences but that's getting a little more out there well thank you for that message willow and thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate you and i wish you the best thank you so much jeff it was my pleasure i'm so happy that we finally got to do this have a great rest of your day You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.